Welcome to our weekly broadcast. We hope it speaks to you where you are in life. To learn more about our ministries, check us out at jacksonfbc.com. Take your Bible if you have it with you, please. If you don't, there's one provided for you there in the pew in front of you. If you're watching online, we have one for you as well. Go with me to Matthew chapter 22 and verse 34. 2020 is the year of urgency for us. Say it with me, the year of urgency. One more time, the year of urgency. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2, Behold, today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. I want you to know that God has positioned us as a church in one of the most difficult seasons in the history of our nation. And also not only that, in the history of the church, decisions that were made in the denomination this very week indicate for us the, the great divide that there is coming between truth and non-truth in our society today. But I want you to know this, that we are not discouraged by what we see. We are not defeated by what we see. We believe that we have been positioned by God, challenged by God. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9, where the Bible says this, Paul said, Lord, there's a great and effective door that's been opened unto us, even though there are many adversaries. Now, I want you to think with me some things. I, I want to share with you about my heart and the staff's heart really quick. We don't say this in a bragging way. We say this in a humble way. Write some things down as we talk about making a difference. Number one is this. I want you to know that I'm personally on a journey. I'm on a journey of revival and an awakening, and so is your staff, and so are many people in this church. Let me tell you, we have spent a year in fasting and praying and believing God for a vision, for a vision that's been bigger than anything that we've ever had. And let me tell you about some things that God has done in us on this journey. Number one is this, write it down. I have seen the Lord's holiness. I've not seen Him, but I've seen what His Word says. I don't know about you, but whenever I read the Word of God, I encounter God not as a partial holy God, but as a total holy God. And every time that I've met with the Lord and His Word or with other believers or, or have watched what He's doing around the world, I've realized this, I'm a sinner. Anyone else? And that I don't match up to the holiness of God. But I want you to know this, on the day that God saved me, He changed me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, I became a new creation in Christ. I was somewhere very recently, and I was talking to some folks, and, and one person was sharing about their journey with a sibling, and the sibling had been really rough as a child, and they said, you know, but God understood it, but, but then at the certain age, I, I got saved, but God still understood that I was still rough around the edges. I couldn't let that go. I had to say this to them. When God catches you, He cleans you. He changes you. He doesn't leave you the same. And I want to tell you something, I've discovered this, that in this house, that God is changing people's lives, not just for a show on Sunday. Whew, that's good. But for our lives, in our homes, in our hearts, everything about us begins to change. Now, watch, now I've seen such a difference in, in American churches in the last 10 years of you. The truth of the matter is that, that many people look at the church and say we're no longer relevant. And one of the reasons why is because we no longer hold the standard up. If you don't have your only weapon held up, friend, you're going to get defeated every time. So you know what I've been doing? I've been praying. Look at, listen to this. You see it in your notes, not on the screen. But I have been bowing on my knees and repenting. I've been saying to God what, what Daniel said in Daniel 9, 16 through 19. When Daniel prayed to the Lord in the Old Testament, he said, God, according to your righteous acts, your anger and your wrath, may you turn them away from Jerusalem. We deserve what we get, but God, you are a God, listen to us and to my plea for mercy. 
The truth of the matter is, the only reason that many churches have not gone under is because God is a God of mercy. And I want to tell you that I've been repenting. I've been repenting for things maybe in the past in the church's life. And I'm praying right now that God sends an awakening. And I'm here today to tell you that I, that I hang out with some pastors, not just here, but around this country that are sick and tired of people laying down and not standing up for the truth of the gospel. And we have banded together and believing not by our might, but our power, but by the word of the Lord and His Spirit that we're going to see this nation won back to Jesus. You ought to be clapping right now, brothers and sisters in Christ. You say, preacher, you are at a pep rally. Absolutely. Because we've been with the Lord and we've seen His holiness. But not only that, I want you to write it down. Listen to this. I, I have, have heard clearly the God's renewal call upon our lives. I'm going to tell you, just like Paul in Romans 1 and 14 and 15, I'm a debtor to all men. Are you? I owe this world a great deal of thanks, and, and I owe God so much that whether you are a Jew or a Gentile, that you deserve the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God, who came into the head of a holler in eastern Kentucky and gave me the gospel, is the same God who wants to get the gospel to the end of the ages, and you are in a church. You are in a church that on any given day is taking the gospel to continents all over the world. And we're giving our best to that. Just in a few weeks, we will commission Nate Indiana to go to the, back to the wasteland of Kentucky and to minister there in that place. You say, wait a minute. Listen, I was there this week, I want to tell you. For three days, I was there this week. It is a wasteland that, that needs the gospel. We're commissioning them. Michael will leave from this platform playing his guitar that same Sunday. It will commission him to Kenya in the gospel. That same Sunday, Pastor Kerry will leave for two and a half weeks. He'll go back to Africa to our partnership. And there are many other places we're going. I want to tell you, we have seen the call of God. And that call of God is a vision, friend. A renewed vision for God that we are called to make a difference. Now listen to this. Next, I am seeing more clearly than ever before the vision that God has got for this church. But let me ask you this. Do you see it? There is a vision that God has given. But not only me, write this down. The staff is on the same personal journey. When you look at our staff, they're in that journey. And they're in the recruiting mode right now and saying, Who will go with us? Who will be a part of what God is calling us to do? This is not just a New Year's message. This is not calling you to a New Year's resolution. That's useless, friend. I'm calling you to a life change. I'm calling you as body of believers to get involved with us in this and to be a part of this. So, so write it down. I'm inviting you to join us. I'm inviting you to join us. If you're not a member, today ought to be the day for you. If you're not a Christian, you better get in because if you don't get in or get out, you'll get run over, I'm telling you. Because God's vision is strong for what He's doing in us. Now, you say, how, what kind of vision does your church have? It's simple. Oh, I'm going to slow down here for a moment. It is, it is simple. Here is the vision. We exist. Write it down. We exist to love God and to make disciples of all people. That is so simple, and people look at it, yeah, I, I've heard that, but what does it mean in your heart? What does it mean in your soul, and what does it mean in your mind and in, in your feet? You say, where did this vision come from? Right from the Word of God. You're in Matthew chapter 22. I want you to look with me in verse number 34. Here's what the Bible says. Now, it says, but when... That simply sets you in the scene. It is the last week of the ministry of Jesus before the cross. He's on the way to the cross. John 12 through 16 gives you a clear picture of that week. 
But in that last week of Jesus' life, there was all these debates taking place. They were debating whether he was the Son of God, and Jesus was simply answering them who he was, and he was putting them to silence. And here the Bible says, the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, because they were sad that you see. I added that part, all right? They gathered together, the Bible says, and one of them, a lawyer. Now, it's not a lawyer like we would say today, like Brother David, who's a great godly lawyer in our congregation. It is someone who is the keeper of the law, the Old Testament, we might say a scribe. They gathered together, and this lawyer asked Jesus a question because he wanted to test him. Can I encourage you with our staff to test them this year? Can I encourage you to come up to me and test me and see if I was not just about a sermon on Sunday and stepping down and acting a heathen the rest of the week? I want you to test me this year and see four months from now if I'm still right where I said I would be. I want you to do that. And here's what the Bible says. He tested him and said, Teacher, that's just speaking to Jesus, which is the greatest commandment in the law? He says, Jesus, when you look at all the Old Testament, what would you say would be the most significant things that God said? And here's what God said, by the way. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it, not less than he's saying, but a second that parallels it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now watch this. On these two commandments depend, or hang the King James, all the law and the prophets. Now watch Jesus here. Jesus has just told us, by the way, what we have picked up on. We're not writing our own vision because it'd be useless. In 2014, we gathered together when we came here, and this was the vision that we fought through and came to this fact that there are two commandments of God. We exist to love Him and to make disciples of all people. We're not about anything else. That's why we don't get involved in anything else that is outside the parameters of that. Now watch what Jesus said. It, It was a beautiful moment. He's quoting the Shema of God. The Shema is in Deuteronomy chapter 5 and 6. The word Shema is just a fancy word that means that that you actually can look and see. He says, I want to quote, remind you of what God said to Moses. Now let me preface it by saying this. When you read the Shema, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5, you will discover that Moses actually said this. You shall love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And then he said this, and with all your might. So now was Jesus here in this moment? as I slow down, was Jesus, well, compromising the Word of God? Was Jesus leaving some out? Watch this. If you are the living example of something, does not sometimes your actions speak louder than your words? Jesus was the living example of one who loved the Father with all his might because he was all in. Oh, oh you, you're not getting this as of yet. Listen, let me read it, to, read it to you this way. As a Christian, you and I are called to love God without any restraint. You see, the truth of the matter is that Jesus was saying, I have no restraints and I'm calling you. The two greatest things that you could do is this, to understand that the reason for your existence is that you love God. How do you love God? He explained it in three ways, with all your heart. Where does your life begin? Where do do your affections begin? With all your heart. When I met Sherry, it was a natural attraction in the heart. Now watch, when your heart has been changed, it does something to you. Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for theirs is the kingdom of God. When your heart is right, it changes everything about you. The reason that I serve the Lord is because He has my heart. Amen? 
The reason I wear this ring after all these years, she has my heart. The reason that I read my Bible, God has my heart. The reason that I try to reach a lost and dying world, He has my heart. The reason I tithe above and beyond, He has my wallet. He has my heart. The reason that, that I'm unashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus, He has my heart. Who has your heart? Now watch this. When God has your heart, then it moves. Now watch this. You shall love the Lord thy God with all your soul. Now your soul is something that's amazing. It is your inner being. It's who you are. It's what makes you distinct to who you are. We are a soul people. Animals, I'm sorry, they don't have a soul. Listen, the chipmunk does not have a soul. But you and I are created in the image of God that we have a soul. Now listen to me. The Bible says, Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27, Paul said, I would that all of you will be of the same spirit and united. Now let me ask you this. Has your heart and soul been given to Jesus yet? Has it characterized you and changed you the way that you look and the way that you act? Listen to me. I want you to hear this. I meet with pastors in a lot of places. I'm privileged to work in different countries with you and, and different places in America. And most pastors tell me this, that they serve congregations where their hearts are divided. I want you to hear this. When your heart gets divided, it leads to distraction. And when distraction comes, it leads to disunity. And when disunity comes, it leads to death. Now, I want to say this, and I want to say it humbly as I can be. When I'm with those pastors, my heart goes out to them, and I try to map out for them this very vision for them. But I want to tell you, the church that I serve is not divided. The church that I serve here at Jackson First Baptist Church, when I'm away preaching somewhere else, I sometimes will sit with whoever I'm in, and I, and I kind of say like this, I'm glad they're not my church. You ain't getting this yet. It is a privilege to serve here. It's a privilege to mount this platform and to sit at this, at this desk and to preach the Word of God to a people whose hearts are united. You see, First Baptist, we're not debating whether or not the Bible is the Word of God here. We're one heart. We're one soul. We're in it together. Friend, we don't have fights here in this church because we exist not to love ourselves and to forward our own, own agenda. We're not here about voting on something. It's already been voted on in the heavens and eternity past. We exist for one purpose. And that is to love the Lord Jesus Christ. And friend, if you're loving, it's going to start in your heart. And watch, it's going to get down in who you are. And once it gets down in who you are, watch, it gets into your mind. Now, once you follow with me this, it gets into your mind. You say, what do you mean? The Bible is clear. Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Set your mind on things above, not on things above. When, when God gets, listen, in your heart and you let him take over your character, the way that you start to live is so different that your mind changes. I want to give you an illustration. I did this in the first service. So if, you, if you're a member, you should have gotten one of these. If not, they're out there for you. It, it, it is our quarterly challenger. It tells us what's happening the next quarter. You also you can download it online. It's all there for you. Now watch. When we get this, of course, I'm already headed because we do it here at this church. We go through everything because all this is is an advertisement of what's coming. You know what we do? We put it on our calendar. We put it on our, our Jimmy, Jimmy, he was in the first service. He may be here too. Jimmy Adams Seed Catalog. Brother, back there, Brother Jimmy. We got the seed catalog for Jimmy, and you ought to go support Brother Jimmy, the member of the church. But listen, that's free advertisement. But listen, we put all that on our calendar. You know why? Because when I grew up, listen to me, parents, when I grew up, mom and dad didn't let me dictate. Did you hear me? My schedule did not dictate. It was what God said. My dad would come home and say, now listen, this is what we're doing as a church the next quarter together. With our, listen to this, with, with our hearts, with our souls, and with our minds. And I'd say, but dad, I got this thing on this night. And listen, God comes first. See, we say we're all in in our heart, we're all in our soul, we're all in our mind. But the truth of the matter is, is that we're in when we can be. 
We're in when everything else doesn't take the priority. And I want to tell you something. In 2020, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that's going to touch a nation has to be a church that, that, that rearranges their heart, their soul, and their mind and said, God, you come first. You have the priority. I'm praying for some men and women to get some backbone in their life. I'm praying that for some students to get some backbone in their life and stand up in those places that are, that are pulling us down to 25 weeks a year. 25 weeks a year is the average member that comes to a church. Friend, I'm going to tell you, if we're going to reach this nation, it's going to take more than 25 hours in a year to do it. We're going to have to gather together and do life together because when we gather together, God's going to change the heart. When we gather together, He changes the soul. When we gather together in my group, the men that teach my group, when they are teaching my group, when that Dale Hyman up there, he's a lecturer, but he brings the heat of the Word of God in my group. When Bobby Drake does it, he did a drama one night. He drama Psalms. And I tell you, I sat there and tears began to stream through my eyes because here was a man in his early 70s who's more in love with Jesus than he is his wallet or anything else. And it drew me closer to God. Now watch what's happening in the natural progression. When you love Him with all your heart, when you love Him with your soul, and you love Him with your mind, what is the natural progression? You're going to now love your neighbor. You say, what do you mean? It's going to flow out into the community. It's going to flow the people around you. It's going to lead you to make a bold, audacious goal. Could it be, now listen to me, could it be that in 2020 that God would lead us as a church to reach 220 people in 2020? Could it be that God would say to Pastor Eric and to every pastor on this staff and every leader, every deacon, every teacher, every member that in 2020 it is our responsibility to reach 220 souls for Christ. Now we reach thousands around the world. That's not the number I'm talking about. I'm talking about you. You say, preacher, that's impossible for our church. Friend, that's less than one person per person. That's about a half, about a half of a person per, per person in this congregation. And friend, if you get an urgency about you, you say, preacher, I, I can't, I'm afraid I can't reach people. Listen to me, friend. If you get something in your heart and something in your soul, something in your mind, you'll talk about it. You'll show the pictures of the grandchildren or the trophy that you won or this picture or that picture. Let me tell you, I'll know when this church gets all in. I'll tell you, I'll know when the whole church is all in. Because let me tell you, no longer will your schedules reflect the world. No longer will your giving reflect the world. No longer will sports teams have the priority in your conversation. No longer will the gossip have the priority. Jesus will have such a priority in you that you'll be sitting at a Thanksgiving table and you just can't help it. And that's where God's taking this church. You say, well, preacher, why do we need to have such an urgency? Well... It's because of the wicked time that we live in. I want you to turn with me in your Bible, if you would, to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. I'm at the same place, Brother Nate, that I was in the first service. Brother Pastor Kerry said I couldn't make it. I ain't going to make it on the same time schedule. i got a few more minutes in this one. Listen to me. Revelation chapter 12, in about three weeks, we will dive into Revelation. We're not talking about dates and charts and whether you're rapture ready or whether you're second coming ready. We'll leave that to the eggheads to debate that. We're going to study the Word of God, all right? We're going to study with an urgency of the Word of God, but Revelation 12 is a picture about the middle of the tribulation. Verse 7 says these words, Now war broke out in heaven. 
Now we believe this, that Satan, who has been the enemy of God since day one, since day one in, in the Garden of Eden, when he came as, as that ancient serpent, we'll find out. Remember, he had, according to Scripture in Isaiah, he had rebelled against God sometime in eternity past. He was Lucifer, the top angel. He rebelled against God because he wanted to be God. He drew a third of the angels with him, cast out of heaven, down to the earth, and the Bible said that he went to Adam and Eve to recruit them, and they joined him. If you remember, they joined his team. The world was, was then launched into rebellion against Almighty God. When I came here back in 2014, hard to believe it's been that long, but, but in July 13, I preached the message from this passage. The title of the message that day was, Whose Side Are You On? And we as a church have chosen over these years to side with God because we exist to love Him and make disciples of all people. But six years later, the world is far more wicked than it was six years ago. The problems are harder than they were then. And you want to know why? Write it down. It's coming on the screen for you. Every day, Satan is accusing us. Every day, he's accusing us. And in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 7, here's what it says. Michael and his angels were fighting against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But praise God, he was defeated. And there was no longer any place for them. That is the devil in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the ancient serpent, which is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of the brothers has been thrown down, praise God. Do you realize that right now Satan still has access to heaven? He'll accuse Michael Caldwell. He'll accuse Roger. He'll accuse Howie. He'll accuse Keith every day. But I want you to know something. I have conquered him. Jeremiah chapter 21 and verse 17 says this. I know the thoughts that I have towards you. God has wonderful thoughts towards you. And before you might have been accused, but you can't be now because it's under the blood. And church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to be reaching out to people trying to kill themselves, trying to destroy themselves because they can't live with themselves. I want to tell you something. That'd be me had God not reached into my life. Now, notice what the Bible says here with me. And they conquered him, verse 11, by, by listen, by denomination. By more education. They conquered him by, by better singing and better preaching. No, by the blood of of the Lamb, and the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives, even unto death. You see, the New Testament church discovered that you conquer when you surrender, watch this, your heart, your soul, and your mind to God. And you begin to conquer things that conquered you before. You start wearing crowns that used to be the devil had. He is always accusing, but write it down, he's also always attacking the brethren. He's always attacking you. That's why you have trials and tribulations. That's why that this world is getting worse. That's why the harder you try to serve God, the more that you're in the fight. But I want to tell you something, that when you apply the blood of Christ to your life, and you walk not by your might, nor by your power, but by His Spirit, and you take the sword of the Word of God, the devil does fall. The devil does fall. There could be people in this room that give their testimony to this very truth. But there's something that you've got to see here. He says, Rejoice, O heavens, you who dwell in them. But woe to you on the earth and see, that's us. For the devil has come down to you in a great wrath because he knows that his time is what? There is time that's coming to this world and this world is time is short. If you live 80 years, that's a short time in comparison to eternity. 
And listen, when you know your time is short, you get to cranking pretty heavy. If you're eating ice cream and you still got a whole bowl left, right? And you love it. And, and somebody says, we're leaving in three minutes. Somebody's going to get a headache, right? Because it's coming down. I know that to be the truth right here in front of me. And I also know this, that many of us are so distracted because we're tired of being defeated that we don't even rise up on a Sunday morning and say that miracles can happen. We get so discouraged in our marriage that we say stupid things like this, if I can just get by. Students just, just say, you know, I know that God's got to call up on my life, but, but you know, my parents say this, and the world says this, and so, so I'll just give in, and I'll still serve the Lord. I'm so thankful that I was raised in a home where that my parents said, there's only one thing we want for you, Keith, and that is you to chase this God who loves you. You say, preacher, where could I learn all this stuff that you've been talking about today? I'm glad you asked. In one place, and that is in this church. See, God's given us a vision to accomplish this existing and that our loving our neighbor, and that is that we are to gather together, we are to grow together, and we're to go together. You see, here's the problem. If you don't gather, the accuser, watch this, and the abuser will overcome you. Now, some of you at this age say, I don't understand that. When you get my age, you understand it. I want to really quickly give you four reasons why you ought to gather. Four reasons why you ought to gather. Number one, because this is your sanctuary from the world. This is our sanctuary from the world. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 68 and verse 35, awesome is God in His sanctuary. The Bible says in Psalm 122 and verse 1, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. People are beat up. I see them when they come. But they don't get beat up. They get lifted up when they're here. They come with a sadness in their heart, but then somebody comes up into love them. I think of Jay and Cynthia McCord here. Let me tell you, I'd crawl to come to church with them. She's in a wheelchair, but the wheelchair is not what defines her. What defines her is her relationship with God. And sometimes, Brother Jay, I just come to hear what's happened with you guys. Because I know that God is at work in, in this place. I could name other names of people in this house that God is at work. I love when our college kids come home and they tell us what God is doing in them. I got a sis getting ready to go. Where are you getting ready to go? Getting ready to go to Cuba. If you got any extra money today, hand it off. She's going to Cuba to do ministry just in a few weeks for us. Let me tell you what a great God we serve. This is the sanctuary that we have. But now this is the sanctuary. This is a place where we're strengthening our walk. When you come in here, friend, you better put your boots on. When you come in here, we don't stand up and preach some mealy-mouthed message. We don't, we don't say what the Bible might say. We preach the full authoritative Word of God and to say there's nothing that's formed against you will prosper. When you come to this place, if you will apply half of what you hear, you'll be better than you were when you came. Not because of me, but because of what God is doing. Thirdly, this is the place where we start to share the load. When you come to this church, let me tell you, we're not perfect by any means, but we have learned to share the load. Two and a half years ago, when my mother passed away, almost eight hours from here, I went there, I got there before she died, I had to preach the funeral because I promised my mama, you just can't, you, you imagine what it would be. That morning, I came there to the building, to, to, in the funeral home to preach that funeral, and I looked out there, and there were 10 members of our church who had made that seven and a half hour journey. I'll never forget looking out there and saying, my family, listen to this, has traveled for me. Now, I want you to hear this clearly. The staff was getting ready to, well, they're in the middle of VBS, and they're like, Ken, cares, like, we'll, we'll, we'll push it back. No, they wouldn't. I wouldn't let them do it. 
So they couldn't come. But you know what they did? They sent money. The staff took of their own money and said, we want you. Roger, you, you delivered it. They, Roger came all that way and drove back that same day. They drove because they said, this is my pastor. Now some of you say, well, I wish people treat me that way. Well, hear me, hear me. Hear me. Bro, Gene knows what I'm about to say because in the first service it kind of scared him. Many people say this to me. Help me, help me, help me, help me, help me while they're holding their hand out to push me away. There's been people in this church that, that through the years I've been here have died and, and, and their family member got hurt because we didn't visit the place. <laughs> Bro, Gene just stepped in. Didn't visit the place. But listen to me. I can't visit you if I don't know. I can't help you if I don't know. The staff can't help. The, these, these deacons can't. If they, you say, well, preacher, they ought to be calling me. They work as much as you do, if not more. And you could at least open up your heart and say, I need you. I don't want to be the belabor. I just want to say, we need each other. We need each other in this wicked world. You see, we know that you need us to do life because you're in a world that's a mess. We want to do life with you, but we can't do life with you if you're not a part of all that we're doing. So that's why we have brought you here today to say that the goal of loving God cannot be accomplished by people who are lone rangers. We need each other. To learn more about our ministries, check us out at jacksonfbc.com.